1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap
2: music to your ears. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff died back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
1: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Ho, ho, ho! And Merry Freaking Christmas. Uh, what's up, everybody? John Middlecop, Three and Out Podcast. A uh, little, little Christmas Eve edition. G- gonna keep this a little shorter. Fly around the league. I'm not even gonna do a Middlecoff mailbag. We'll we'll lead that till the end of this week. I'll answer some questions maybe in the middle of the week on Instagram. But I, I know you guys are with your family. The holidays, a lot going on. Might not even be able to listen to this. Uh, I, I you know it's crazy time these next couple days. But I had to do something. The, these games were too good. I'm recording this part actually right before the Sunday night game starts. Uh, I, I just finished watching Steelers-Saints. What an incredible game. Uh, the Steelers are now in danger of missing the playoffs. Feels like the first time in like 10 plus years. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, the, the, the heat and the conversation tomorrow is going to be about Mike Tomlin. And did he screw up on a fake punt? I, two things stood out to me in this game. One, Mike Tomlin the fake punt. I don't really have as big of an issue with it. Uh, I know some will be, how do you, if you're seasoned on the line, which there's kind of was, you're up for at midfield, how do you go for a punt, or how do you you go fake punt in that situation? Clearly, they felt they had the look, uh, something they worked on. And, you know, listen, I I think Mike Tomlin's a good coach. Uh, They were in control of this game pretty much the majority of it when I was watching, especially in the second half. Uh late in the fourth quarter, and you're in that position. I don't mind going for the kill shot. Now the counter is, you live and die with Roethlisberger. You have the best receivers in the league. Your passing game's elite. Why not just leave him on the field? Uh listen, that's a t- it's a tough way to go out because more than likely the Browns are humming right now, but I don't see them beating Baltimore. That Baltimore's going to end up winning the division and we'll get to Lamar Jackson a little bit later. Uh, kind of just a crazy way to go for Mike Tomlin to go out. While I don't hate the move, when it backfires, you get destroyed. And that's part of the deal. And if they miss the playoffs, I think Mike Tomlin could get fired because of this. Now, that being said, Mike Tomlin would immediately get hired. The Browns, the Jets, the Buccaneers, you name it. He'd have his pick of the litter when it came to jobs. But that was a career-defining play in the sense of there is a lot of lot riding on this Steelers season, given that they have no business not making the playoffs. There have been some rumblings like, is he the guy? There have also been questions about the details and the little things. And that's a situation where you go for it, fake punt. I get it. I understand both sides. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. Me personally, no issue going for. It. I have a bigger issue with the continuous poor calls with the referees. I thought on a season or during this season, start to finish, worst season I've ever seen with the referees, and that's saying something. I think today was arguably the worst day of the season. Just an atrocious performance by these men. And listen, I don't necessarily have a solution. There is a human element to this. But there's too much riding on these games. Gambling is now legal. We have too much cash on this this league. This league is thriving because of gambling and fantasy football. It's a separating factor between the NFL and the other two sports, which the NFL is running circles around. But I can't have my referees being incompetent. And that's the level of refereeing that I saw on Sunday. In the Saints game, I saw incompetence. In the Niners and Bears game, I saw incompetence. I saw consistent incompetence all around the league. And it's just not okay. There is too much cash on the line now, and the league ha- there is had, there's a scandal coming down the train tracks. I don't know if it's this year, next year, or in years to come, but it's coming, and it's going to involve money, it's going to involve gambling, and it's going to involve referees. I, I Listen, I'm not a lawyer, I did not go to law school, I don't even pretend to know or how the the case would be tried, but the league is going to get sued. And once upon a time, the league never thought they'd have to deal with head injuries. And then CTE became a big deal. And all the media jumped on the train, and they got sued. And the the ball started rolling down the hill, and it created a huge avalanche. And it became a problem for the league. You can see it from a mile away. The officiating is a problem right now in the NFL. It is not okay. It should not be acceptable. The league has a major problem on their hands. That's not even arguable at this point in time. That when you watch an NFL game, someone that dictates the outcome of the sport, which billions upon billions of dollars now legally are being gambled on this sport through through gambling and through daily fantasy and just fantasy leagues in general. That this is not an okay outcome. They have to be better. The standard has just been risen. It just has. And I'm not saying they're on the take or any of that thing. I'm just saying they are not good enough. Multiple call. Every game you watch, you see a call like, what is going on? And these calls have major ramifications. 15-yard penalties at the end of the game are the difference between a team winning and losing. You're costing people jobs. You're costing people just fans that consume the game. Hell, it might be their home mortgage. And you can counter me. They shouldn't be gambling that money. But they do. And that is a huge reason the NFL is excelling in terms of television ratings in terms of just fan interest people do gamble on the game and listen I'm not saying that everyone should win money every week that's not the way it works but you should not be losing money whether it's gambling or fantasy because the referees are screwing up calls you lose you lose I got no problem with it but in that Saints game in some of these calls are are just atrocious there was a call in the Eagles game where Clowney, at the end of the game, or the last final drive, got called for a 15-yard penalty, driving Nick Foles into the ground. He literally threw his hands up and did not drive him. Hit him in the chest. It is just not okay, and something has to get done. Because, again, I don't pretend to be Nostradamus here, but you can see it coming from a mile away. A massive, massive lawsuit is coming down the pipe. I don't know if it's this year. I don't know if it's next year, but it's going to happen, and it's going to be a problem for the NFL if they do not fix the officiating. Well, the Sunday night game was just remarkable. Uh, and it really it shows two things with both teams. One, starting with Seattle. The NFC, let's call it what it is, is really lucky that Seattle's a wild card team because if they, and I think they're going to have a legitimate chance, they'll, they'll be much improved after an offseason. They're going to make the playoffs, obviously, this year. But they're a team, if they make the playoffs and they have home games, they are not going to lose at home. Like the Saints. The Saints, it runs through New Orleans. More than likely, they're just going to win the NFC. You're not beating them there. Like, you're not going to Chicago and winning a game. Uh, But, and ultimately, Kansas City is going to have the home field advantage when they beat the Raiders next week. Like, Seattle, this story this year, most people, including myself, thought they were going to suck. But here's what we know about Seattle now. Like, there is no longer, it's even a conversation. And I think this was a conversation. Like, has Pete lost his fastball? No, Pete's an elite coach. An absolutely elite football coach. To get this team to the playoffs, uh, you know, that Derek Jeter, you know, meme or Jeff on Twitter where where his nephew tips the hat with respect, that's all you can do because this was... As big of a muscle flex and F you to everyone that wrote him off is a season for a good coach that I remember in a long, long time. People writing them off, people crushing them, and again, including myself. And they didn't do a good job you know, of getting rid of Earl Thomas, selling high on Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, all those guys. But it didn't matter because at the end of the day, Pete's a big time coach, but Russell is. And I tweeted this out during the game. He there's in my lifetime that I remember he is as as beautiful and as good and I use the word beautiful because that's how the ball looks when it's in the air. I in my lifetime I don't remember a better deep ball thrower. I'm trying to Randall Cunningham. Remember he used to just let it rip. He threw a beautiful deep ball, but Russell's precision and the arc of his ball is just it doesn't get any better than that. And he's just such a remarkable. You know, an all-time outlier as a talent. You don't see midgets be that elite at quarterback, and that's what he is. He's just an elite quarterback. And for NFL terms and standards at that position, he's a midget. And Patrick Mahomes, like, they're ahead of schedule this year. They're going to beat the Raiders next week, and they're going to have home field. But they might lose that first game. They may lose that second game to go to the Super Bowl. Like, to me, it doesn't matter. The, the ceiling on this guy, and I think we say this all the time, like the guy's ceiling and then he doesn't become it, but Patrick Mahomes is going to win the MVP, win the MVP. And as this game was going, and now he hit the one throw, like when he's running to his left and he throws it like a shortstop, I mean, it's just like he's the MVP of the league. And he had, like when I think of this season, like when Steph Curry won his two MVPs, He deserved those MVPs. He defined that season. And as the season has played out, and I know Colin is, I I don't blame Mahomes really for any lot. Like, he didn't lose this game tonight. You know, their defense is just beyond atrocious. He has been, like, when you think about the 2018 regular season, because that's what it is, is a regular season award, he's the first thing you think about. And he should be the first thing you think about. He's been the funnest player uh, to watch all season long, any position. Like, if that guy's on, he's what I want to see. I'm a little biased here, but remember when Barry Bonds was chasing the record? Anytime he'd come up to bat, you stopped what you were doing. You you had to watch. And again, we always watched his ABs in Northern California, but the whole country started watching as he started chasing the record. That's what it feels like when Patrick Mahomes. Now, I watch football for a living, so I'm already watching the game. But if I didn't, he would be one guy I would circle to make sure I watched. And the league... You know, it, they're in the perfect spot where he has the perfect head coach to coach him. And he, he's only scratching this. Like, he's going to get so much better. What he does, his accuracy on the move outside of the pocket. I think I saw a tweet uh, middle of the game that he's, uh, this game, the two of them, they combined for five touchdowns outside of the pocket. That's an NFL record. It's just, the, those two guys, that, that's box office. Like, that's what we want. That's what the league wants. You give me two quarterbacks, you don't allow people to hit them. And listen, I the league has got soft. The wussification of football is a fact. I mean, that's truth. Like, that that has happened. But I, I, I get it, and I understand it, because I don't want these guys to get hurt. I want to, when I sit on my couch on a Sunday night, I want Mahomes or Russell Wilson to be one of the two quarterbacks in that game. They consistently uh, entertain me, and they entertain the country. Like, they consistently live up to the billing of these primetime games Mahomes you have put him on all these primetime games he's kicked ass and taken names Russell Wilson's been doing this now for five plus years just playing at a remarkably high level in big games in big moments and I I thought tonight my over, it was just fun like that's that's what I want out of an NFL game and the, the Chiefs had a little less on the line the moment the Chargers lost so maybe it changed it a little bit Seattle was playing like this was a playoff game it, it, this was awesome. That, that was 38 to 31 with those two guys making plays left and right. it, it, it kind of felt like a like watching like Michael Jordan play Kobe Bryant one on one. like it, obviously there's you know 10 other players with each guy and they don't even they're not even on the field at the same time. but that was awesome. The, the league's in such great hands with some of these young quarterbacks. and again, Seattle to make the playoffs after everyone wrote them off and their their roster looked terrible. For Andy and Mahomes to be this good, year one, win the the MVP. Because the MVP was locked up. It's in concrete now. It's over. It's Mahomes. In year one, just just awesome. What a game. Okay, let's let's dive into the Saturday experience that was the NFL. And thank God for the NFL playing Saturday games because we wouldn't have had much to watch. Uh, Let's start with the morning game. The Tennessee Titans... Played the Washington Redskins. Actually, a pretty good, mor- pretty good morning football game. But my big takeaway was this: John Robinson, the general manager for the Titans, came on this show. I went to a bachelor party. My buddy Ryan Fry got married. We went to Nashville. I made a little work trip out of it. Expense that bad boy. Uh, that's a great part about when you when your business is yourself. You just expense everything. And so I went to uh, went to OTAs. I interviewed him. We didn't really talk about Mariota. But to me, that's the number one conversation that he has to have moving forward. What do I do with my quarterback? The problem with Mariota's physical situation is he can't stay healthy. He cannot stay on the field. He gets injured. And he's at the point right now where, what do you do? You don't extend him this offseason unless he cuts you a discount. Well, I got news for you. Quarterbacks don't really cut teams' discounts. They usually bend teams over, because they are like an NBA player, and they have all the leverage, so they get paid, like an NBA star player, and I know LeBron loves to call the NFL owner slave, uh, you know, masters, not necessarily true, they pay quarterbacks a premium, Aaron Rodgers got $80 million for six months of work, Jimmy Garoppolo got like forty for the last six months, quarterbacks get paid and Mariota's in a situation. This is going to be his fourth year is going to be over. He's had multiple injuries now. And I thought Saturday was a great example of a game where it was basically a playoff game for the Tennessee Titans. They were able to win it. Luckily they were playing the Redskins. It was actually just a, a well-played game, but he couldn't finish the game. He got knocked out at the end of the first half and never came back. And they had to win the game with playing Gabbert. Luckily they have a really good defense and Derrick Henry's humming. But what do you do with Mariota? Because you're not going to pay him huge cash. You know, I, I I wouldn't pay him more than $50 million guaranteed. But if you're Mariota, you know, the moment you get, what are you going to do? Cut me? You're not going to get rid of me because someone would pay me. And I know, worst case, you'll probably franchise me after this year. So I'm not going to take a team discount. And then if you're John Robinson, you're like, even if you wanted to move on, you can't really upgrade. You're in this weird quarterback purgatory that's, You know, been talked about by a bunch of media members the last couple years. The thing is, though, Mariota, your team is good when he's healthy; is definitely good enough to make the playoffs every year. The problem, so you're not really in purgatory because he's not a good player, even though he's not playing that great. But I do think he's a fringe top ten guy when he is healthy. The problem is he can't stay healthy. So what do you do? I don't. To me, there's not really a black and white answer to this. There is no right answer. I mean, the answer is probably you just let it play it out. He plays on the fifth-year option, and you see if he can stay healthy. Uh, I, You know, I haven't seen the latest on his injury. I you can't assume that he's going to play this week. So let's say he doesn't play this week. The Colts win, and the Tennessee Titans don't make the playoffs. One of the big reasons for them not making the playoffs is because Mariota can't stay on the field. He's officially now kind of a problem in the sense that he cannot stay healthy, and there is no chance you can pay him huge, you know, $70, $75 million guaranteed at this point given his injury history. So I, I think they're at the point where they just got to write it out. And l- luckily, they had a team that was equipped to be competitive without their starting quarterback. But listen, we, we all know this is a quarterback league for a reason. There's a reason that position gets broken off because it's by far the most important position going. And really, th- there is no close second. But I, I also think there are some similarities. And I, I tweeted once upon a time that Marcus Mariota has some parallels to Alex Smith. I thought he could be a better version than Alex Smith. I tweeted this like four years ago, and Titan's Twitter freaked out. Titan's Twitter is actually an underrated group, and they were not happy with me at all. And now I think it's starting to look more and more like, yeah, he's closer to Alex Smith's skill set. He's a little faster. But hell, I'd say Alex more accurate. But Alex's career, uh, before Jim Harbaugh got there, like six, seven years in, he could not stay healthy. He had a bunch of injuries. And finally, they upgraded the offensive line, and he got better. And I think that they could look into maybe he could have that second half of his career. Wouldn't even be second half, like the second third of his career, that he can be healthy. He can stay healthy. I, that's how I would look at it if I'm a glass half full guy. But you can't dispute that it would be negligent to not have a honest conversation to be can this guy stay healthy? or is it on the offensive line? I, I think that can be debated. I, I think it's a combination of it both. Then the night game, which was actually a really fun game to watch. Listen, let's start with Lamar. He is a fun player to watch. I have a rule in life. Uh, the, the, this world, whether you're talking about sports or business, is not a zero sum game. Like I can make money and you can get money. Just because I don't like you or even in the same industry with you, I hope you succeed. When I evaluate players and I don't like them as a player, I'm not selfish. If Lamar Jackson becomes a three-time Super Bowl champ one day and the greatest player in the NFL, I'd be the first to tip my cap. Be like, you know what? I was wrong. The guy was remarkable. But I didn't like Lamar Jackson coming out. I don't like him right now. I do not think what they're doing is sustainable. He's not accurate. And Josh Allen, who I did not like either, gets eviscerated on Twitter. Throws balls into the ground. Can't complete basic routes. Neither can Lamar Jackson. I saw a tweet yesterday from one of the PFF guys. Like, I haven't seen this many ducks since Tebow. He is so much closer to Tebow than anyone wants to admit. But the media and social media with the the draft Knicks, they all love Lamar Jackson. They thought he was a superstar. So like, oh my God, the team's winning. Yeah, the team's winning because the defense is dominating. He went twelve of twenty-two yesterday and really hit one big play that was a sixty-eight-yard play. So he threw in like the low one twenties. You subtract that play. Now the big play was nice. It was a beautiful ball. He's always hit big plays. My even in college, my problem with Lamar Jackson at Louisville is he can't make the basic throws. He threw how many near incompletions to Raven defenders? He it was like he hit him in the chest. They dropped a couple. He could have easily had three or four picks. It's just not good enough. Now, will it improve? I don't know. I, I hope it does. But in my evaluation, I bet against it. I don't think it'll happen. Could it? For sure. But right now, what he's doing, and what's crazy is the Ravens might end up winning the division, that I, I just, I mean, it's smoke and mirrors what they're doing right now. You could see it on John Harbaugh's face. He's like, we're holding on for dear life right now. This is not normal. And it'd be one thing if Lamar was having these games of like, you know, 18 of 23, and just, you know, even if it was in the low 200s, I'd be like, you know what? He's playing pretty well. He can barely get to 50%. I mean, he would struggle to hit water right now if he was floating in a boat. But you're not going to see it on social media because they went all in and called Lamar Jackson a star. I got news for you. Right now, the Ravens as a team are playing great. He is not. And then let's go to the other side. That wasn't good enough from Phillip Rivers. Clear the Chiefs game was their Super Bowl, and they came out flat. But I I need more out of you, Phillip. You had a career-defining win 10 days ago, or I guess 9 days ago because they played on Saturday, Thursday to Saturday. It was an incredible win, and Phillip did some of his best work. But now all the pressure was on you. You got to win this game. You're playing one of the best defense in the league. You get them at home. I know you understand you don't really have a home field advantage. But everyone wants to anoint you as his Hall of Famer, and I do too. You're one of my favorite players in the league. But that was an atrocious train wreck of a football game. The start of the game, the first play, throw an interception. That he was off all game, no rhythm. Now their offensive line didn't block very well, but Rivers was not good. Uh, You just need more of that guy in that situation. And he didn't even give him a chance to win. And by the second half, the defensive line was just eating his offensive line, uh, you know, alive. But he was 23 of 37 for 180 yards, four, almost under five yards an attempt. And the eye test was even worse. Uh, now, again, he was sacked four times, so I'm not putting it 100 percent on him. But when you're a Hall of Famer and you're coming off one of the biggest wins of your career in the regular season, you have a chance. You know, depending on – I'm recording this part before the night game. Uh, What happens with Kansas City, you you just have to be better. Maybe you get bailed out, maybe you don't. But you you can't lay an egg on national television after the biggest game of your career. I think that's the knock on Rivers. Like, I'm watching Ben and and Breeze, and the faith that I have in those two guys in big spots is just incredible. I I feel both guys are going to make big passes – They might not, and they might not always win, but I have full confidence in those guys. I I have the same thing with Russell Wilson. I have the same thing with Brady. Same thing when Rodgers is humming. I've never quite felt that for Phillip Rivers. I used to be like that early on in Peyton Manning's career. I did not trust him in big games. And then he finally got over that hump. And even still toward the end of his career, you kind of held on for dear life. He he lost a couple bad playoff games in Denver. Obviously, the Super Bowl, he didn't really do much. But uh, he just, Rivers has always been the guy that he leaves a little to be desired. Now, he can make us all forget about it with a big playoff performance, but man, I, how am I going to be confident about a big playoff performance when he's playing a playoff, I mean, an elite level defense that he might play in the playoffs and, and he gets his ass kicked and, and he looks overwhelmed? It, it's a problem for Rivers. He just wasn't very good. Pretty fascinating coaching carousel going on right now. Uh, I, I had a running theory all season long that John Harbaugh, because I thought they were going to miss the playoffs. I thought he was going to be fired. And then I thought he'd be the next USC coach. Well, when USC did not fire Clay Helton, then they hired Cliff Kingsbury. That, that theory went out the window. And then it was reported on Friday, not reported, the Baltimore Ravens tweeted out, not only is John Harbaugh going to come back for 2019, but they're working on an extension. hes he, It's looking likely now he's going to win the division. So that theory's out the window. When you look at around the league, you have the Cleveland Browns. I know Greg Williams is 5-2 as the head coach. He's beat Cincinnati twice. He's beat Denver. He's beat Atlanta. I mean, they've beat shitty teams. So let's pump the brakes a little bit. That being said, I think the Browns, if they were to get into the playoffs right now, no one would want to play with them. And I said it from the beginning of the year that Hugh Jackson I mean, lasted way longer than he should have. They had a playoff roster. And I didn't even think that Baker would be this good. And he is. He, he's been fantastic. I still think Dar- Sam Darnold will be the better player big picture. But I, I won't dispute that Baker Mayfield is going to be a big-time pro. I mean, he's going to be a really good player. He's a really accurate player. He's good. And the roster is good. But the Cleveland Browns need a coach. The Jets need a coach. It's been reported that Arizona's going to fire Wilkes. Who would have thought a one-year defensive coordinator in 2018 wouldn't work? Shocker. Then you have the Pittsburgh Steelers, which I think they threw their hat in the ring today. Like, is Mike Tomlin going to make it? Tampa Bay, Dirk Cutter, done. So the the turnover in this league is going to be pretty big. And there are going to be several jobs. Cleveland has a quarterback, a young quarterback. The Jets have a young quarterback. So to me, both those two jobs are very intriguing. The one big flag on Cleveland, and I say it all the time, John Dorsey's ego is as big as you know, the state of Ohio, Jim Haslam has proven to be a clown owner. The Jets, their ownership now that Chris Johnson, I think Woody's brother's in charge seems to be a little more normal. It's not as crazy with Woody around, but they got Mike McCagnon, who's proven to not be a very good general manager. So is he the one picking the coach? Is he the one hiring the coach or do they fire him too? If they fire him too, to me, then that job is, is really interesting. Tampa Bay, You have Jameis for a year. You do have some young Nucleus, but they got a long way to go and probably the best division in football. And then you look, you know, could Carolina fire Ron Rivera? I would say it's kind of unlikely. I know it was reported that they won't, but when you pay $2.2 billion for something, you have the right to do whatever you want, even if the decision might not be right. And I don't think firing Ron Rivera would be the correct decision. But again, you pay $2.2 billion cash, If you have higher expectations and a higher standard than losing seven straight games or whatever the number's at now, that's okay with me. So, I I, I think the carousel and the coaching turnover this year is going to be fascinating because there's not many just no-brainer coaches. To me, Mike McCarthy's going to get a job. He's, you know, his his resume by far is the best of any unemployed coach. Schefter wrote today or said on NFL, whatever his show he's on, that, you know, Jim Caldwell's going to be in the mix, which... Sounds kind of crazy when you first read it. And then you look, like Jim Caldwell has won multiple places. He's taken multiple teams to the to the playoffs. Now, granted, one of the teams was Peyton Manning, but the other, like he took the lines to the playoffs. Like th- th- that happened. So that's not that crazy. And you just look around the landscape. I got news for you. Lincoln Riley's not leaving Oklahoma. Are you going to hire Matt Campbell at Iowa State to be your NFL head coach? That, that would be pretty bold. You know, there aren't that many just can't miss. Uh, offensive coordinators around the NFL. I, I also forgot the Denver Broncos. Vance Joseph is done. I I, I just don't see that there are going to be more job openings than actually good coaches available. So just because you fire your coach, like who is John Elway going to hire? Mike Shanahan? Seriously? I mean, who who's he going to hire? Because last, last time he went down this road, he interviewed Vance Joseph. He interviewed Kyle Shanahan, and he hired Vance Joseph. So now I'm supposed to have faith that he's just going to get it right. He's proven to not be have the greatest feel for these situations. Like, Gary Kubiak was an easy one for him. It was his buddy. They played together. I, I, I think there is way, like, you know, when you do the supply-demand chart, the demand for the amount of good coaches and the actual supply of them on the open market and guys you would potentially hire to fill these spots is a pretty stark difference. I think there are going to be way more openings than good coaches available. Uh, that's going to be it. Keep this short and sweet. Thanks for listening. I appreciate all year. I mean, we kicked this thing off. When was that? Around the Combine, I think was the first podcast. And it's been fun. I've really enjoyed doing this. We're going to keep it rolling. Uh, kept it short because I know, you know, Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Uh, if you're Jewish happy Hanukkah, I know it already ended, but, uh, we're pro every damn holiday on, on this show, but I I know these are a fun couple days to, you know, see your family and, and enjoy it. And we got the college football playoff right around the corner. We got a couple, we got a winner, get in game next Sunday night with the Colts and the Titans, and just, uh, just a fantastic time for football. And, again, I, I really appreciate everyone listening to the show. And 2019 is going to be even bigger. Let's roll, baby.
0: All-State wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere.